This is The Michael Wall Show. Michael is a speaker, author, and founder and CEO of several companies. His passion is to help families live on purpose and live with purpose. And now, here's Michael Wall. All right, you've joined the right spot to get the motivation and encouragement and advice that you need to help you live on purpose and live with purpose. Uh, You know, I don't know if you've been paying attention or been listening to some of the past shows. By the way, if you're a first-time listener, thanks so much for joining us, dialing in. If you missed some of the past shows, uh, typically each and every week we have one show that's motivational, and the other show of the week we're going to have a guest on. The previous guest we had uh, last week was Tucker Carlson, and we got a great guest joining us today as well, Larry Lawson. We'll bring him in just a second. But I want to challenge you, if you have not, take a moment and uh, share your comments, feedback. You can go to michaelwallshow.com. Or you can find me at Michael D. Wall on uh, most social platforms and share your thoughts and insights of what you're enjoying about the show, what you want to hear more of, and what you'd like to learn in the upcoming future. So without further ado, I've been building a little bit of a relationship, met uh, Larry, I don't know, what did we meet a couple of months ago, but two months ago, something like that, and kind of building some relationship. And I thought, you know, let me have this guy on. He's got a cool story. If you haven't heard of Larry Lawson, he's the he was the president of the aeronautics business uh, for Lockheed Martin for 27 years, and then the CEO of Spirit Aerosystems. And he's got some great insight. He likes to uh, fly hang gliders and travel all over the world in his own little propeller. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Larry, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. So tell us, you know, here you are in the aeronautics business most of your life. You're still 32. So that's, I don't know how the 27, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> how did you decide you wanted to get into this business? What was it for you as a younger person, it said, man, I really want to do that. Was it just working for Lockheed and then you made your way up? Or it was just, you always wanted to be in the aerospace type industry. Actually, Michael, I, you know, I'm from Detroit originally, mm-hmm. pretty humble background. And, uh, my interest was to fly fighter jets. Wow. And I wanted to be a fighter pilot in the worst way. But in those days I applied to the air force Academy And in those days, if you wear glasses, you couldn't be a pilot. So that wasn't an option for me. So I had to fall back on my uh, B plan. I was uh, pretty good at science and technology. And so I decided if I couldn't fly them, I would design them. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If if you can't do it, then make it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got it. So I went off to, went to college to become an electrical engineer and made my way into uh, aerospace. That's awesome. So you ended up connecting with Lockheed and when you, was that your first spot? No, actually, I uh, graduated school. Uh, I worked for General Motors while I was okay. going to school, so I yep. worked in the automotive side of the business. And uh, so, always something with engines. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. So then, I uh, actually went to work for McDonnell Douglas in St. Louis. Wow. Okay. And uh, was a designer. I was very, very fortunate. I mean, it was an important part of my uh, life when I really think about kind of the fundamental things that that I believe in and founded mm-hmm. on. I mean, I think. Probably I get those things from my father and from my mentor, really mm. my first boss mm. at McDonnell Douglas. Okay. And I went to St. Louis and I worked on, I was very fortunate two ways. Uh, I was assigned to the advanced programs division at uh, McDonnell Douglas working on uh, how can we fly uh, F-15s at 50 feet off the ground across the folded gap. This was the height of the Cold War. Wow. And uh, I had a great mentor. Mm. And so it was really important to me. And I was continuing my education at the same time, working on some advanced degrees. And so uh, I went there. And then after a few years, uh, you know, I realized my ambitions exceeded the, my patience, <laughs> at least, you know, for a, 
a company of that size and yeah. they went to a small company in Chicago designing reconnaissance cameras or think of them as large spy cameras for these airplanes that you know everybody knows about and we don't talk much about you know the SR71 and the U2 and hmm. I traveled all over the world in those days as a young man and I went there had a lot of responsibility I met some incredible people uh, my first trip to Israel was Oh, 1985. Wow. I went over there and, and was working on some really important things. And these were great lessons because for me, you know, a, kind of a kid of humble means from Detroit, my world just kept getting bigger, mm. you know, and I mm-hmm. think this happens, you know, here in the United States, we kind of live in a very insulated world. Mm-hmm. We don't really, the only thing we know about what's going on in the world is what we might hear on yeah. television or something, but to get over there and, and to see it and I traveled all over. I mean, we did business. Again, this was during the Cold War. We were, I mean, we were doing business with the Saudis and the Swedes and the Chinese and all over the place. Uh, Egypt, you name it. I wow. mean, I was traveling all over. I had two passports. It was crazy times. And uh, <laughs> that was great. I could see the end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's Cold War, I'll say the Reagan buildup coming mm-hmm. and decided I wanted to get into a, maybe a bigger company. And that's how I ended up at Lockheed. Actually, Martin Marietta, which became Lockheed. Okay. So tell me this. when As you were going from, you know, McDonnell Douglas and then into the spy camera industry, we'll call it, and, and then moving to Lockheed, was it was it always you kind of just aspiring for more or was it, um, you know, and the re- here's the reason I'm asking this. You know, I, I never forgot when I was younger, you know, and of course, you know, we're 18, about 18 years into business ourselves. But when I was younger, I remember my dad talking about the best time to look for a next opportunity is when you have a current good opportunity. In other words, work your job well, do a great job at it. And then when other things arise, you'll be ready. And so I guess my question is, is as you were making that transition, as you were kind of stepping up the chain, if you will, was it something that you intentionally said, this is the way I want to go? Was it an introduction from somebody? Was it, I mean, what in your opinion gave you the ability? Was it making the right connections within those arenas? Somebody's listening to this. It's like, you know, I want to go up the chain too. What would be a thought there from you as far as helping you make those steps? Yeah, no simple answer, but I will tell you that the fundamental principle I'll just say is this, is don't let fear paralyze you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, people find themselves stuck in a position, a job, a place, a location. They don't realize their dreams because they're paralyzed of the fear of failure, mm-hmm. the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that when I left McDonnell Douglas to go to, to uh, Chicago, that was really an ambition. I had a lot of ambition to, you know, I wanted to be, you know, see my dreams fulfilled. And I left there for that reason. But when I left Chicago, actually, to go to Martin Marietta, it was because they were recruiting me. At, at that point, I had a had developed quite a reputation in my field, hmm. and uh, they would just call me and call <laughs> me and call me. They were unrelenting. Yeah. And I come could, on, we want you to come over. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they sold me on the idea, and I did that. And then the other moves, to be honest with you, my career was not, it was really motivated or kind of by the missions. This Mm -hmm. is kind of the great thing about the defense business and in aerospace in particular is you're working on a product. Mm -hmm. You're developing something that's never been done before. I have some patents and some other things, you know? And so for me, it was always the mission. Hey, I'm Mm -hmm. going to accomplish something that's never been done before. Mm -hmm. We're going to do something. And so the mission always kind of, it propelled those accomplishments were the gratification to me Mm -hmm. and the motivation to me. Yeah. Some of these took a long time, and then the career just kind of came along as a consequence of the success. So you enjoyed breaking into new industries, things that have never been done before. 
I, yeah, I really kind of busting through the fog of the normality, right? Yeah. And I, I would say the first part of my career was really focused on the technology side of things okay. and really trying to be the best. I mean, if I think of, you know, again, back to the lessons I learned from my father, I mean, one of the fundamental things was, you know, try to be the best at whatever it is you're doing, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and number two, exceed people's expectations. Mm-hmm. Try to Try to exceed your boss's expectation. There's nothing better if you are, you know, a supervisor, manager, uh, when you have an employee who, or a coworker, whoever, who exceeds your expectations. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible how well you remember those things. And so, hmm. you know, that was kind of my objective. And I, as I could talk for a long time about the technological side of things, most of it, which it's crazy now I see it in my cell phone, a lot of the technology we developed <laughs> yeah. in those days. But it was there. And then I got to a point in my career where I realized that if I really wanted to accomplish something big, if you want to send a man to the moon, it takes a big team. Mm-hmm. And I realized I needed to move from being an individual contributor or a technical leader to really, you know, a larger role in, in business. And, I, you know, I decided to leave the engineering side of the business and move into the program side of the business, the management side. And when you went to Lockheed, so tell us about that. So here you are moving into Lockheed. You're how old are you then? Oh goodness, I was only thirty years old when I went to uh, Lockheed. Lockheed, yeah. So went into Lockheed at thirty, and you're in a place where you're growing in that company. Mm-hmm. What what was one of the things or two of the things, Larry, that you said? You know what? This is really cool that we had the opportunity to kind of create, design, be a part of. And then the second question is, what would you say would be the biggest challenge that you had? Well. Or you can do it in reverse. The long list, like. <laughs> yeah, that would be a long list. Um, you know, when I went to Lockheed, mm-hmm. Martin Marietta Lockheed, which became Lockheed, I went in the early days of the stealth developments. And so in those days, we were trying to create a, what we call a passive radar. It was an infrared device and multiple people had tried and no one had been successful at it. And so I got the assignment and frankly, it was daunting. I mean, Hmm. generally I would go to these new jobs and go, (laughs) oh my goodness, I'm really not prepared for this. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of get over the fear and go, okay, it's your job. You better figure it out. (laughs) And we did. And we were very successful. And if you Mm -hmm. look under an F-35 today, you see this little chin pot on there. And that's the system that we developed back in those days. And it, you know, the algorithms that frankly, my, myself and my team developed along with all the rest of the systems, it. It was really kind of cool. I mean, I worked on, uh, I led a cruise missile development. And so I, I kind of worked across the spectrum, you know, of, I went from, you know, airplanes to reconnaissance systems to electro-optic systems back to missiles and then back to airplanes. Hmm. But if you ask me what the biggest challenge was, I mean, I could list a long list of challenges. And I would say that on the technical side, fundamentally, the reason I was successful was because I kind of took a systematic approach to problem solving and really figuring out what was at the heart of the problem and being willing to get into the details of technologies that frankly weren't in my, you know, weren't my specialty. Mm-hmm. But the most difficult thing hmm. to truthfully, the most difficult challenge I've had in my career is developing high performing teams. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, again, back to the point, if you really want to do something big, you have to have a big, a big team. team. Mm-hmm. And it, you find yourself in these jobs where you're a leader of these very large teams. And then the question is, okay, how do I, do what needs to be done, whether it's motivation or providing the vision, whatever it might be. How do I develop a team that's a high-performing team and not just a high-performing team, 
but a learning organization. Because you had the transition, Larry, of really going from technical kind of building systems, designing, creating, we'll call it technical stuff, to building, creating people, which is emotional, which is messy, which is much more challenging. I mean, you know, I always think about that sometimes, you know, people talk about their families. It's like, you know, you only get one family, you know, that can be, you go home, you see the same people every day. Whereas friends, it's like, you can kind of exchange and, you know, from time to time and same way with you're in a situation where technology, you're building it, you're doing it. You can walk away where you got people and emotions. Was there anything in particular that you saw over the years being with Lockheed for 27 years and obviously uh, spirit aerosystems as well towards the end, but have you seen a big change with people over the years of the of just being in business and being in leadership? What what did you see that caused you to say, man, this is the people aren't as uh, um, efficient as they used to be. They didn't work as hard as they they used to. They didn't care as much. Did you see some of that come 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 into your culture, or was it? How did you keep away from that? Let me ask. That's a better question. Yeah, no, I, I think I mean people maybe. I mean, we talk about the different generations, and certainly yeah. there are differences in how people have been raised and their backgrounds and yep. generations. But I. I really think that if people aren't motivated, then it's management's fault. Hmm. Okay. Right? It's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. a lack of leadership. It is a difficult thing to figure out how to work across this multi-generational thing. I, I don't want to, you know, say, hey, it's easy. It's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I think there are ways to do it. And it requires a couple of things. So, I, you know, after I left the missile business, I went to run business development yeah. <laughs> for her, for the corporation. Okay. And I never wanted that on my resume. Hmm. I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm an engineer. I'm, you know, I'm a technical guy. I'm a program manager. I don't want to be a business developer, but I learned so much by doing that. Hmm. And so I go into this different kind of culture, and now I've got to figure out, okay, how do I lead this group? And I think the fundamentals of leadership are the same. You want, you have to know enough that people will respect you, mm-hmm. right? And you have to listen enough that people think you care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we don't, we don't actually take the time, whether it was the, my job as business development or the next job where I went to a completely different sector. I was an outsider going into the aeronautics business to run the F-22 program, which was a highly troubled program, very large organization, thousands and thousands of employees. They were very skeptical about me initially, mm-hmm. but you have to kind of build a plan that says, okay, I'm going to communicate the why. Yeah. Because I really, I don't think it matters what generation, everybody wants to know what the why is. Yeah. I even remember as a kid getting in the car and going, okay, where are we going? Yeah. Are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, these are kind of the things that, you know. Common quid, kid questions, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you just kind of go, oh, yeah, man, this is the way humans are made. And so yeah. you, people want to know, hey, look, number one, do you know what you're doing? Yeah. Are you really qualified competent. to be our leader. Are you right. competent? Number two, are you passionate? Yeah. And number three, do you have integrity? Yeah. And do you care about us? I mean, this is a kind of sensitive thing. Mm-hmm. Do you care about us? And, you know, and, and so sometimes you make difficult decisions that might not look like you care, mm-hmm. but if you're effective communicating these things, you generally work your way through these difficult times. And I always, I kind of learned to make things more, I'll say data driven. What do you mean of, by that? So we talk about the facts uh-huh. or the information and we go, look, here's the situation in numbers. Mm-hmm. So it becomes less subjective and less personal. You know, this is what we need to do and here's why. Mm-hmm. And if you can show that in, in so numbers. So removing the emotion from And it. you try to take the emotion yeah. out so it doesn't become, hey, you're picking on me yeah, or you're right. being. And that's very helpful in the process. And then actually taking the time to get down and meet people. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the one thing I highly underestimated which was 
people want to know if you're human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And take the time and get down and know the folks. And so as, as I advance in these jobs, I mean, I spend a lot of time just walking the factory floor, spending mm. time with people. Mm-hmm. And what happens is if you can do this, you create an environment, especially in these big turnarounds. F-22 was a huge turnaround. Uh, it was in just terrible shape. And really, I, how I, long was the process, by the way? I was there six years, of turning that but around. it took about, and this is an interesting thing, it took probably two years before people really kind of went, okay, okay, yeah, we're on point. Wow. You yeah. know, the mm-hmm. first year you're, you're just kind of, especially these very large, deep problems. We had developmental issues. We had manufacturing issues. We had organizational issues. It was really, truly broken. And you kind of go with this in, in piece parts, but what you try to do is you try to build these opportunities for success, mm-hmm. regardless of how bad the situation is, do something, yeah. set an objective that creates an opportunity for success that gives the team confidence mm-hmm. that the future mm-hmm. is going to be positive, that we, we know what we're doing. You'll have some setbacks. That's kind of the, frankly, in any very large organization, that's kind of the nature of the business. But, you know, you just keep saying, hey, look, if we do this, and then you, you build your team. I mean, mm-hmm. I think probably... The truth is, I mean, I've been most successful at going out and finding the right people for the right job and then building an organizational construct that allows them to be successful. Yeah. Gives them the ability to go do their thing. So let me ask you this. We've got to kind of land the plane for, for uh, uh, so to speak, I guess. But I want to transition quick. So then you went to be the uh, CEO of Spirit Aerosystems, right? And you were there a shorter time, obviously, than Lockheed. But what, what intrigued you then to step out and do that? Well, after F-22, I was asked to go work on the F-35. And the F-35 you may read about today, I mean, it's a, it's a massive global program. It's a program so big, it frankly, it creates its own weather. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and it was a big, that was a big turnaround. And then I became president of aeronautics. And I had done, I had really received a lot of recognition. I'd done a lot of things that I didn't see a lot more for me to tackle. I'd spent mm. most of my career Tackling having things. a mission, yeah, you know, something. Right. And I felt like I had, I had accomplished, you know, what I had to accomplish there. And so again, you know, the phone rings mm-hmm. and it's somebody, how would you like to be a commercial aerospace CEO? Now, no one has ever, to my knowledge, I don't know of anyone who's ever made the transition from defense into commercial. They're very different in many ways. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I said no, and then, uh, but they kept calling, and late one night, I must have, in a moment of weakness, I just said, I'll come for the interview, and actually, it's a funny story, I was in Egypt, and I was flying back from Egypt, this was during the height of all the stuff going on there, maybe I was, maybe I was a little jet lagged, I'm not sure, but I I went in, and I met with the board, and it was another challenge, Mm -hmm. frankly, and intrigued me, and so I did it, I took that job, and it was a much worse situation than I, than you, I than originally I anticipated. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't have taken the job if I had known how, yeah. how deep that hole was. Yeah, but within frankly a short amount of time, we were able to really create some, some change there, mm-hmm. and in in really kind of in an unpredictable way. Uh, when I went there, there were really three programs that were in deep, deep trouble. Mm-hmm. They were all development new airplanes. The way out of this problem was. To not focus on the problems. And it okay. was, it, it doesn't mean that we weren't working the problems. I just realized that it was going to take maybe three, four, or five years to solve the problems. Mm-hmm. Certainly wasn't going to happen in six months. We were in a situation where, frankly, if we didn't do something quick at our share price, 
we were going to be bought yeah. and the not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So I decided, I looked, we had 20% of our revenue consuming a hundred plus percent of our profit and cash. And, <laughs> and so I decided to go look at the other 80% of the business and say, uh, Hey, look, there's gotta be an opportunity here. Yeah. And that's how we did it. That's where yeah. the money came from. We went and doubled our efficiency over there, hmm. improved our uh, financials dramatically and then that became the engine to allow us to go correct the other situations. The other problems. And, and we did. Over time, we did. And, and of course, uh, you know, if anybody goes and looks, I think when I started, it was, you know, around $14. And I think today it's around 80 Wow, that's awesome. So quite a story there with uh, Spirit Aeronautics. And I love, I'm going to kind of end with this here, but I love the idea of the way out of the problem, not to focus on the problem. Focus on solutions, right? And I think... That can happen sometimes with so many people. Well, if you wanted to share one last thought, just a nugget, uh, I'm trying to you know bring it down. One last nugget you want to share quick for the listeners out there. Somebody saying, you know what? I'd like to build. I'd like to grow. I'd like to be in my career and be successful and lead people. Can you attribute one thing that you did as far as feeding yourself? You know, the whole idea of investing in you is so important. And Larry, is there something that you would say that, you know, I really would recommend that throughout your life, you personally, as an individual to grow you, you spend time doing X. Is there anything in particular that sticks out that you say, you know what, I did this on a semi-consistent basis and fed me and it caused me to have the ability and the knowledge to get to where I needed to go? Well, for my family, I mean, the first thing I had to do, you know, I have people ask me this all the time, is there a work-life balance? And I usually hesitate (laughs) (laughs) because in a lot of these jobs, they are, they are very consuming jobs. Hmm. And so for me, what I had to do was that I had to give up some things mm-hmm. because I had to dedicate time to the things that I thought were important. And so for us, you know, that was the family. Mm-hmm. And so I never was really that good of a golfer anyway. <laughs> Michael, so I, uh, I gave up golf. I gave up some other things. And, that was easy, right? And that wasn't, you know. Yeah. You liked riding the golf cart, but you didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I love being outside. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know I really enjoyed golf, but I had to give it up. It was just too much time. Yeah. Uh, I had to really make time for church. And, and the church was our family, you know, and it really was important for my family, for the development of my children. So we had to make sure we dedicated time and always, you know, made the time to, to be honest with you, do what we say, yeah. you know, to live a life yeah. that right. we, you know, do the things we say, because I've certainly, if I've picked up anything is it, it doesn't matter what you say if you're not living yeah. the life. Yeah. And so we try to live a good example for our children. And that doesn't mean that things are easy, right? but it just meant that, you know, eventually things work out. And so those time management was an important aspect of that. I, I certainly found outlets over the years that I have a lot of things that I do. We, we ski and like yep. you said, we hang glide and we uh, dive and we go on Create some pretty time incredible for fun stuff. We do. We go yeah. on some pretty incredible vacations yep. and uh, we try to, you know, create memories. Yeah. And those are important things in, in your life. And then, I, like I said earlier, I think, you know, if you're really thinking about your career, I think, you know, the thing that paralyzes a lot of people is fear. Yeah. And you got to yeah. really get over the fear. If the worst thing happens, is, yeah. I've often said to myself, Hey, if the worst thing happens, so what? So be it. Yeah. 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 I love that. Well, I, I hear uh, I'm pulling out all that. What you're saying there as far as the last tip is to be intentional with your life. How about that? Be intentional with your life. Give things up. 
be willing to make time for what's important along the journey. But Larry, I just want to say thanks again for taking a few moments and joining us and sharing your story. Who knows, maybe we'll have you back when you do your next turnaround, when you get back into the workforce after you build your house. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate that. All right. So you're listening to the interview there with Larry Lawson. Again, he was the president of the aeronautics business for Lockheed, and he was there for about 27 years, CEO of Spirit Aerosystems, and just sharing some insight on life and business in general, some of his experience and why it's important to be intentional with your life, why it's important, you know, making sure that you set objectives and and really be in a place where you focus on solutions, not just problems, be solution oriented in your life. And as always, you can go back and listen to previous shows at michaelwallshow.com or the podcast app that you're subscribed to. But thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great day, great week. And here's a challenge to go out this week and do something for someone that can do nothing in return for you. Here's to adding value and living on purpose so you can live with purpose. And again, if you want more info, feel free to go to leanonthewall.com. I know a lot of you have said, hey, where's the financial stuff? Well, you can always find more of it there as we've taken some of that out of this show just to simplify the process. Have a great week. Talk to you next time.